Hello and welcome to the Humble Brag Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Mandel. And today we're going to be talking about entrepreneurs, fake gurus, and toxic positivity. What is a entrepreneur, fake guru, or toxic positivity? So first I'm going to go over just some basic definitions as I wrote them up myself. And then we're going to get into some more of the details. So I write, you know, what is a contrapreneur? Obviously, it's a play on the word entrepreneur. Well, this refers to an individual who represents him or herself as an entrepreneur, but does little more than con people. Hence the term contrapreneur. They are in the business of conning people through the guise of entrepreneurship. All right. Granted, you got that. Now let's look at what a fake guru is. Well, a guru is someone who is like an influential teacher or a popular expert. The term was typically used in the spiritual realm, but heavily adapted in today's business world as well. Fake guru, or some would call furu. I don't know if you've bumped into this stuff online, but people give them the name furu, F-U-R-U. It's exactly as the term suggests. A person without proper credentials or motives presenting and marketing themselves as such nonetheless. And finally, what is toxic positivity? So for this one, we'll get into the definitions of what qualifies positivity as toxic and a, a bit later, but quite simply positivity that ultimately garnishes a negative toxic effect is what toxic positivity refers to, as well as the entire industry promoting it. In essence, all three of these things deserve an episode of their own where we could delve into the details of each particular type. However, I don't think it's necessary. I actually find all of these to be quite similar in nature. Yes, the industries may vary, but the nature of the offense is the same. And once you learn about the phenomenon from a broader horizon, you'll be equipped in being able to detect this type of fraud regardless of where they are and how they present themselves, no matter the industry, no matter the pitch, no matter the angle. So essentially that's the purpose of this episode, to bring to light this concept, to see how it applies to, for example, these three particular industries or types, and then once you understand the concepts, you could apply them to many different areas because it's very, very rampant. With that being said, let's get into it. So let's start with toxic positivity because that's the broader term here. How they apply to different things, we'll see. But it's very important that we understand what toxic positivity is. So. By nature, it almost seems like a contradiction. How could positivity be toxic? We would think that positivity is positive. How could it be negative, right? How could any positivity be negative ever? So, and, and it usually plays out that there's this guy actually, I think his name was James Janney, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. He opened up a YouTube channel. A year ago, he made a video on toxic positivity 
and it became an instant hit. And by instant hit, I'm referring to like, we got a couple million views, but his channel blew up overnight because of that video. So many people related to it. I would suggest to check it out because he really took his time to present it in a nice story with visuals. So it's uh, really emotional for anyone who's uh, had these experiences or been sucked in by these, by these scams. So you could check out his channel, James Janney, James, J-A-N-I, Janney. Um, he did a phenomenal video on this topic and he really goes into it on almost an emotional, very visual, beautiful way, storytelling way. Um, I'm going to explain all of this from more of like a definition standpoint. You could use your own imagination, but if you want to really delve into it, there's him and there's the other guy, um, Mahmed maybe, um, I think an Arabic kid from Brooklyn who was on TED Talk, TEDx maybe. He had a little conversation about it. He may have been one of the first to bring it out with this type of terminology. So it's been circling the internet for about a year now. When I watched it a year ago, I was like, wow, this is spot on. Because many people know these things. Very few people have put it out there. Um, so there's a lot, I wouldn't say a lot, but there's quite a bit out there already on this notion and it's going to grow. So you could check it out online, but by nature, it seems like positivity is a good thing. The idea of something being negative is kind of like the opposite of good. So how could positivity in any which way be negative or become toxic as toxic as negative? And it's understanding the finer details of all of this phenomenon that will help you understand where we go from something being positive to something being negative, or the positivity, the extent at which your positivity is so high that it becomes negative. Let's first explore the basic level of how toxic positivity may play out before we get into the deeper details. We all know that there are people who are always popping with good positive vibes and they're so they're so subscribed to their discipline, to those principles that when anything, if ever, if ever anything bad happens, you know, they're the ones telling you, be positive, be happy, um, look at the bright side, so on and so forth. And also, you know, like, don't ruin my vibes. You know, let's say you have a friend who does that and you're having a bad day, a shitty day, and they'll be like, you know, don't put that on me. Don't, you know, don't, don't ruin my good vibes. Right, so these are terms that fly around. And we all know people who are, who are basically guilty of that. Um, to their defense, they do want to stay positive and they do want to stay in their mindset. Mindset is, plays a huge role here in this topic, mindset. So that's that, you know, that basic level of how something like this would play out. Um, and then of course it goes much, much deeper, but on a very, very basic level, you know, we know these people who talk about good vibes, positive vibes, be positive, be happy, all that stuff. Um, you know, cliche, stereotypical, positive um, taglines that they throw out there and that they live by. 
toxic positivity essentially says you're blinding yourself to a very stark reality of life, suffering. Suffering is a very, very true and intrinsic part of life. By forcing yourself to only see life, by convincing yourself and really training your brain to only see life through positivity, so on and so forth, um, you're blocking out a certain part, which ends up becoming negative and toxic, which could end up harming you. That's essentially, there's so many different ways to explain it, but that, essentially that's, that's like the bare minimum for understanding this notion. Now this gets so complicated, so nuanced, because you may think to yourself, well, Amuna, the principles of a full and complete Amuna, which is, you know, the belief in one loving God, the principles that that discipline teaches is very much along the lines of always, always seeing the good, understanding that everything that happens comes from Hashem. Everything that Hashem does is good. Um, so if we're going to expose toxic positivity, how do we do so while treading carefully around Jewish and Hasidic thought? So it, it's, it becomes a complicated topic very quickly for people who are spiritual, for people who are living positively. And not only that, there is so much in positive living, in mindfulness, self-help, self-development, that is good, that is conducive, that is needed on a daily basis. So where do you draw the line? You know, when does this go from being positive to toxic, from positive to negative. At what, you know, where is that line? It's a very, very blurry line. And I would say just right off the bat that I don't think that there's a way to draw a line that is clear cut, period. I think the line has to be drawn for each person separately. But one of the ways for you to be able to even draw a line and understand this is to learn about it and to understand the negative side of those potential disciplines or those in very much cases like those scams and fraud that that surrounds it so i think the first step is to actually understand it and then if you want to get very technical and you ask yourself where do you draw the line most people don't know where to draw the line you have to you have to be introspective and you have to really dig within your side yourself and your life to know where to draw the line. But at least if you know about it, you will draw a line, right? At least there will, you won't hopefully live on a very, very toxic level of positivity. So we're, we're touching a little bit on what's going on here. This is a very, very technical thing. Um, you know, there's, there's so many examples. Very often it plays out, you're not happy in life, you're depressed, or you're going from teenager to adulthood. You're trying to figure out who you are, what you're doing. You want to be happy, you want to do things. You get introduced to some spiritual works, some self-development, self-help. Again, self-help and self-development are huge parts to this. It's all, it's all, it's all one universe. This entire phenomenon, they overlap each other like crazy. 
contrepreneurs, fake gurus, toxic positivity, self-help, self-development, which is on because I'm obsessed with self-development and self-help. Half the videos that I make talk about character refinement, getting more organized, living spiritually, um, living a balanced life, and, and all of the stuff that I talk about fall into this category as well. So where do you draw the line, right? How do you practice all this good stuff, but not fall into the traps of the negative side of it? And I think the way to do that is to actually learn about it, accept it, don't shut it down, and then make decisions. And this is why I'm not afraid to talk about this stuff, because I actually agree that t positivity could become toxic. I think there's a degree by which things start flipping over. I also think that a lot of how it's sold is fraud and scammy. So while I try to live a happy, healthy, spiritual life myself, I'm very aware of how it could, how, how it could lead one astray. And I've seen it a million times. So another way that it plays out is, like I said, you're in a bad place or you want to you get introduced, let's just put it this way, you get introduced one way or another to self-development or self-help and you're consumed by it. You read a couple books, you watch a couple movies, whatever it is, law of attraction. I don't want to start throwing names out there because then, you know, you're blaming people, but we all know of some of the big names of motivators and self-help gurus. You're enamored by it. It sucks you in. Your life starts feeling, you start feeling like your life's really improving. And this is how these things play out. You start buying the books, you buy one book, you buy another book. Everything, top to bottom, right to left, from cold showers to meditation to working out. Life's, life's awesome. Everything's really going well. And then what happens is, as you crawl deeper and deeper into that mindset, all about mindset, right? They're pumping and promoting mindset. You're buying the books. You're maybe even attending events, right? The, the people who go deep enough start paying money to attend the events. They feel empowered. Wow. Long story short, a lot of money invested a lot of emotional and physical time invested and you find yourself in life, wherever you are, however many years you put in, that not much has changed. It's that simple. That's the premise here. You're investing all this time, you're promoting this stuff, you're talking to your friends about it, you're, you're pumping positivity and, and thinking right and mind, mindset and mindfulness and everything. You're just well, you know, you're, you're a real soldier, you're a real, you're a real follower. You find yourself that not much has changed. Now, of course, the, this could be a deep argument. Things have changed, you know, your mindset has changed. But really, at the end of the day, for most people, it's just the mindset that has changed. There's a term, I forgot the term, whereby essentially somebody coined it also pretty recently, but it essentially refers to actions that we think that we think we're doing, but we're not really doing. And that's because it's all in the mind. 
So one of the ways to create that differentiation between what is in my mind and what I'm actually accomplishing has to do with action, right? How many people read books about business versus actually implement? How many people listen to CDs, audio, and, and, and study concept, but don't actually apply concept? So many people, in fact, most people who subscribe to these educational pieces are doing that. The people who subscribe and, and watch these motivators, watch these entrepreneurs, the people following are typically only doing so for entertainment and it's all in their mind. They're not actually implementing. It's cool concepts. It makes you high, which brings us to dopamine. Positivity, mindfulness, self-help, all that stuff is actually an addiction just like any other. It gets you high. When you read that book that motivated the crap out of you, you get high. And you care less about the book and the substance than you actually do about the high that it gives you reading it. And what happens is you start chasing that high. And just like with every addiction, you find yourself in years down the road and not much has changed. Not much has been accomplished other than spending a lot of money, having a lot of dreams and being positive. So yay, you were positive. But now is five, 10 years later, what have you achieved? What has actually changed? What goals have you achieved? So on and so forth. So this is where entrepreneurs come in or fake gurus. The entrepreneurs are essentially those entrepreneurs online selling you shit. They're selling you stuff. They're selling you a dream. They're selling you mindset. They're selling you a course. They're not real entrepreneurs because their entire success banks on the notion that you're watching them and buying their course. That's not a real entrepreneur. It's a contrapreneur. They're conning you. Their entire success, it's like a, a, a scheme. Their entire success banks on you listening and buying their book, listening and buying the course, because outside of the course, for the most part, they've achieved little. And I'm not talking about the few exceptions. Um, there are some exceptions. Like, for example, some names like Gary V could be very controversial if you want to get into the dynamics of whether he's, he's you know, selling hopes and dreams and ripping people off or if he's actually the real deal because he does have businesses and he has been majorly successful outside of his YouTube presence. So there are big names like that that are, it's up for debate for sure. But most of the, most of the other ones, uh, Ty Lopez types, who their entire success, the enti their entire success is completely questionable and seems to lean heavily on the side of the fact that they figure it out 
how to get you to follow them and for you to buy into what they're selling. In other words, their entire success seems to be rooted inside the scam of them selling to you. It's essentially fraud in a certain sense. They're selling, the, the entire idea of selling positivity or selling self-help is very questionable. And it's a huge in industry. And as recently as last year or this year, we're talking about a 13, 14 billion dollar industry with a growth rate of 5% year after year. So the self-help industry is not a small force. It's, it's a serious thing to reckon with. I'm talking about billions of dollars. So people are buying into this like to no end, to no degree. And then, you know, the question becomes, what is the output? What is the outcome of all of that investment? So some people actually end up succeeding and they, they get their life together, they get their act together and they start succeeding and they build businesses and they change the life around and they achieve. But how many are not? And this is what we were, you know, I was just talking about on the other episode about fasting and, and, and diets and all that stuff. It's debatable, a diet could work, but if you just look at the overall percentage of the people who try it and then the people who succeed through it, you have to ask yourself if the entire industry is just one big scam. If 95% are failing at it and only 5% are pulling through, then it's very scammy. Same thing as self-help. Contrepreneurs. If they're selling something and only 1% are pulling through or 5% are pulling through, maybe those 5% that should indicate that those 5% are pulled through for a different reason outside of following the formula because the 95% are the general. The other five are the, are the exception to the rule. So there are big names that are debatable, but like I said, Ty Lopez types, and there's a lot of them. <laughs> there's really a lot of them. Now, I'm not, I'm not making this stuff up. You go into YouTube if you want to start looking into this. If you're if you've fallen for the trap of believing these con artists, don't get down on yourself. You and millions of others watch these people. But you can look into it yourself. You go online, there are people who literally expose, confront these people. They don't have answers. They don't know anything other than sound bites. They literally repeat these stereotypical positive sound bites that, that, that you could read off of any positive self-help book on the shelf. That's what they're spitting out. And you're subscribing to that. And eventually, if you fall deep enough, you'll buy into whatever they're selling. And they're always selling something because somebody has the profit behind this, right? Nobody's, you have to ask yourself, who, who are these people putting in that work? Somebody has to profit from it. So if somebody's profiting from it, is that the business or is there actually something else behind it? You know, it's that typical in, in, in business. It's like, you know, if, if your formula worked so well, you wouldn't be selling your formula. You'd be doing your formula. Right? That's the funny thing about online courses. Fake gurus, the term has been kind of, uh, the term has kind of opened up. So it used to be more on the spiritual realm same thing in the spiritual realm. You have people who are promoting positivity, some form of spiritual living. But if you go deep, deep within their messaging 
and their goal and their and their desired outcome, you you often find that it's hollow or that it's a scam or that they're trying to get at something or that they're actually missing credentials, so on and so forth. So how do we, if you understand the issue, then the question becomes, how do we differentiate? Because on the other side of the token, positivity is important. Self-help and self-development is important. So if you understand that there's this concept of toxic positivity, if you understand that there's such a concept of entrepreneurs and fake gurus, how do you, how do you differentiate? <laughs> it's funny, Rebbe Nachman talks so much about the notion of working hard to find the right spiritual guide. And this is the same concept. He talks about it a lot and he, he says, you know, happy and blessed is the person who actually like works hard and finds that person because the way that he had viewed it was that like most people will have improper guidance in their life. And, and you can see that in, in life in general, who are our mentors? Who are the people we're looking up to? Who are the people we're watching on YouTube and on, on movies? The people we look up to, the people who influence us, who are they? How many of, of them may potentially be fraud, fraudulent? Um, and if we're talking about spiritual growth or religious growth, how many of them also have ulterior motives or are, or are simply teaching nonsense, not teaching the right stuff? So many, so many. Rabbi Nachman saw that and he talks so much about it in his works about the importance of finding the right spiritual guide. He, he essentially saw it as a lifelong journey because he didn't even see it as like, oh, you found your spiritual guide, it's end all be all. Because that same person who was genuine and had the right motives at 30 and 40 years old, that same spiritual guide, that rabbi, that rav, whatever he is, 30, 40 years later, could be a completely different person and start doing stuff that's completely questionable. Torah-wise and halakhically. So Rabbi Nachman kind of saw it as like this lifelong journey whereby you need to continuously be aware of this phenomenon, which is essentially the phenomenon that I'm talking about here with entrepreneurs and fake gurus. You have to use a ton of discretion and brains your entire life to, I shouldn't say question, it's not necessarily question your mentors and those who guide you and your spiritual guides and your rabbis, but you should use your discretion to be aware of this phenomenon at least and don't be afraid to question and always think and, and question the actions. So in other words, you could think you have the holiest rabbi, he's the best, mine's the coolest, you know, my dad has a cooler fire truck than yours, you know, fine. You could cheerlead for your rabbi all day long. Look at the actions when world events come up, how they respond, the things they say, or the decisions that they make just uh, day to day for their followers and so on and so forth. Don't be afraid to look at them, question them, and of course, if, if they say stuff that clearly contradicts uh, things like the Torah, which is above, then, you know, let's get biblical, as uh, Tovia Singer says. If you see stuff that clearly contradict, 
that's why like it seems like there's a contradiction. It's like in Judaism they say, you know, you should you should be bittle to your spiritual guide. You know, he's the brains, the vet you know, he he's he's the method by which you could get close to God and all these Hasidic spiritual outlooks. But even your spiritual guide, if they tell you to do something that's against it's against the rules, you can't do it. So and and <laughs> Many, many followers of Hasidic masters fail in this regard. The Rebbe told me to steal. The Rebbe told me to kill. The Rebbe told me to burn someone's house on fire. They went and did it, right? So they fail in that sense because they forget. It's almost like a Jesus Christ type of situation. They think their rabbi is God. They forget that there's an ultimate authority, and we're not supposed to break that even for the intermediary. Having an intermediary to begin with is is questionable in Judaism. You know, a huge side of Judaism believes that it's important. You need that spiritual person, that guide, to help you get close to God. The other side feels like it's borderline um, idol worship, right? So we have to be very careful with that because, you know, where's that line? At what point are you exactly like Jesus Christ? when your followers are ready to bow down to you and do whatever you say, no questions asked, it becomes very controversial, this whole topic. I don't want to slip into that, but it, it works along exactly along the same lines. You're watching entrepreneurs, contrepreneurs on, on YouTube. You think they're successful, they made it. What are they selling? What is behind the purpose of what they're selling? Um, one of the ways to filter out the good from the bad is is the intention. What are they trying to get out of it? Sometimes there are people, for example, you know, uh, a member of Hatsala or the ambulance service who doesn't get paid and they just there to save lives, right? You can't really doubt their intention. Yeah, maybe their intention is to have a beeper and, and, and a radio and to be a hawker and to be a knocker and they're cool. Maybe some of them have that intention. They want to be part of a club. Maybe they're a firefighter, a police officer. They're cool. They have a gun, a badge of this, of that. There are members in these forces that I believe do have those characteristics. It's fun. It's cool. Fine. No problem. But your average one is there to save lives. They're there to serve. Um, a firefighter, ambulance member, like I said, they're there to put their life on the line or to save lives. And it's, it's completely selfless. You can't doubt or question it. Bring that mindset into the entrepreneurs or the entrepreneurs that you follow and watch. What is their intention behind it? What are they trying to get out of it? What are they selling, in other words? Who's profiting off of this? And how, is it prof and how is it profitable? If they're just selling a course, the entire industry of selling courses is so hypocritical and, and counterintuitive. Give me your money so that I could teach you how to make money. But more than 90% uh, are not making money and they gave you the money. So... That entire industry is nasty. Fake gurus, same thing in the spiritual realm. If they're just promoting end-all, be-all, good vibes, 
it's not conducive because it shuts you off, like I said earlier, to a very fundamental part of life and living, which is suffering. Your friend, a family member is having a bad day. They're worn out, they're beat. So many things went wrong. They lost their job. Their car broke down, right? A, a pile of very, very difficult things are happening in their life. And they come home and they're venting, saying something like, you know, be positive, look at the bright side, or there are people suffering in Africa who can't afford food. That's toxic. There's nothing positive about that. And imagine that, that contradiction, that the irony, I mean, you're actually being negative and toxic and, and you think you're being positive. Your positivity is actually harming and not helping. And that, certainly that's not your intention, but it stems and it, it literally grows out of an entire industry that is scammy. You know, that in that same situation, you could be empathetic, say you understand and you're there to help if they need anything. And you know that they'll get through this because you've seen them get through it in the past. That same interaction, if you learn how to actually be positive and sympathetic, then you're actually helping the person. Whereby if you say, no, good vibes, you know, you have to think positive, don't let it hurt you. No, hurt, pain, and suffering is a huge part of life. How do we differentiate? Where do we cross, where do we draw the line? Judaism, Hasidus, spiritual living. All day we talk about, like I said, character refinement, being happy, never getting sad or depressed. How do we draw the line? The first step, I think, of moderation, and it's all about balance, is not to push your positivity on other people. That's number one. Because if you could refrain from doing that, and it's more of a personal journey, your quest for positivity and happy, healthy living, there is an aspect that you have to deal with suffering as well. It's not healthy for you to look at everything positively or try to spin everything because then you're not living in reality and you're going to end up hurting yourself when things actually go wrong and it's outside of your control to stay positive. So there's an aspect of yourself living with balance yourself. But before you deal with yourself, first... The first level of moderation is don't push it on other people. If somebody's having a difficult time, sympathize with them. Don't tell them to be positive. Okay? People can learn about positivity on their own. They can learn about self-help on their own. You don't have to be an advocate for you. You don't have to push, push it on people. And there are outlets... For example, I may have 30 friends. Two of them enjoy talking to me about spirituality and self-help, so I talk to them about it. The other 28, I don't. End of story. If I want to 
blab about self-help and Muna, I could record a video and put it online. I don't have to talk to my friends and family about it. If they want to watch it, go ahead and watch it. So there are mediums, there are outlets for these types of things. Find an audience, find a niche. Don't annoy your peers about it. They might not be interested at all whatsoever. So that I would say is number one for others. Number one in moderation, don't push it on others. Number two for yourself, know that suffering is a part of life and you may actually be very disciplined in staying positive, seeing the light and all of that stuff. But you also have to be realistic when things have hurt you and you need to grieve. You have to be realistic and pay attention to it. Because if you don't, you always cover up, cover up, cover up, fake it till you make it concepts. If you're always doing that, it, it uh, builds up and then it kind of boils over. And when you unleash, it's chaos. So for yourself, yes, nobody can stop you from mind, mindfulness. Nobody can stop you from mindset mentality. Nobody can stop you from being positive, right? We can't undo the fact that you learned the principles of Amuna, you know, you, a, a spiritually aware person looks at this world differently. You can't undo that, and we don't want to undo that. You just want to make sure with yourself that you're being real. And if you hit a low, if you get sad, if something bad is happening, it's okay to acknowledge, deal with it, simmer in it, and you'll get through it. You know what I mean? Deal with it. Don't pretend like it's not there. Don't cover it up. That's number two. Number one, others. Don't push it on others, period. That has nothing to do with toxic or not toxic. That's just, you know, common sense. Number two is for yourself. Number three, I think, comes back down to actions. So you want to be the ambassador for positivity, good vibes, and everything is good? No problem. You want to pursue entrepreneurs, fake gurus, and buy into everything they're selling? No problem. Hold yourself accountable to the results. Forget about everyone else. You don't have to answer to other people. Hold yourself accountable to the results. If the entrepreneur or the entrepreneur that you're following online is that good, Tell me how long I could expect to see some serious results. Is it five years? Is it 10 years? Is it one year? When am I going to see serious results? If it's, if it's an entrepreneur and we're talking about business and you follow this person, you spend money on their books and all that stuff? Okay. Let me know when you have that million in your bank account. It doesn't have to be the million, but you get what I'm saying. Let me know when the business that you wanted to build is built. Let me know when things are working out. Because if you're just listening for 10 years straight and you're still living in your mom's basement and nothing ever worked out, then you have to ask yourself, is it legit or am I, or did I fall into this drug, to this habit of listening to this stuff? So I think that's a good parameter to set for number three. Hold yourself accountable to the people that you're buying their education. You're buying into their education. Hold yourself accountable to it. Number four, for fake gurus, 
for, for spiritual people who are promoting spirituality, positivity, and spiritual living-related stuff, first of all, you should know what their background and intentions are. Because for people who are not very aware of the spiritual realm, the spiritual industry, I should say, they don't know that it's very nuanced. And the line between what is kosher and what is not is very, very thin. The line between um, what is true and what is not is very thin. You know, it, they're very blurred lines. So you might listen to, I hear stuff all the time, even in, back in the Facebook days, people would, there was a lot of conversation, maybe there still is, but I don't really engage, but I don't know, but there was like these conversations about Jewish ideas, different stuff, fly around, and I would literally read stuff that have philosophical roots in fundamental ideologies that Judaism specifically disagrees with. And, and there are Jews, Heimish are Jews sharing it. Why? Because they don't know. It sounded good to their ear, sounds spiritual, sounds godly, boom. In the philosophical and spiritual realm, there are so many ideas, and in, within each area of idea, there's so many different types of ideas and levels, it's so easy to just hear stuff and say, oh yeah, this is cool, this is great. It ain't kosher. Um, if you really understood the philosophies, you realize that it doesn't add up, it contradicts other beliefs. So if we're talking about, you know, fake gurus and spiritual people who are promoting some kind of outlook, it's best to do some research to understand what their deeper beliefs are, what their intentions are, and also how do they deal with the practicality of real life suffering and so on and so forth. Not just suffering, but like, how do they deal with day-to-day -day stuff? Are they practical? I personally am into very practical spiritual living. I think they work together. I'm not in the clouds. I understand the struggle of the day-to-day, -day, the reality of it. And I believe that all spiritual concepts tie directly into just our physical day-to-day. -day. If you're listening to someone and everything is a grammatria and a number and Kabbalistic and, and that's all they're promoting and they're so far removed from the day-to-day, -day, the struggle, the real-life emotion of it, you have to ask yourself, is that somebody you want to follow? Yeah, it is. How have they helped you? Right? How are you able to cope when you have a real-life difficulty? By busting out a grammatria? By doing some mathematics? That's, that's essentially how you're going to cope with your difficulty now? You lose a sibling, God forbid, a friend, a tragedy happens, you're getting divorced, something very difficult. The, 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 the Kabbalist is going to help you with his grammatrias. So, when it comes to, to gurus and, and spiritual people, what is, you know, are they teaching moderacy as well? I have no problem with deep spiritual concepts. I love philosophy. I love Kabbalistic concepts. All of that stuff, great. But realistically, day-to-day -day emotions, struggles, the reality of life, not the, the fantasy. We're not angels. We're humans. We have a divine soul, but we're human. We're stuck in this physical body. And, 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 
and essentially bound by by natural laws for the most part. So where's the 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 practical side of it? So in terms of fey gurus and and stuff like that, I think you have to look at the person, understand what their the deeper stuff behind it is. And if you can't do that, because sometimes it's difficult, look at what they're, how they talk, what they're preaching, and how they deal with real life stuff. If they're in the clouds with day-to-day real life stuff, then, then it's probably gonna lead to some form of toxicity in that spiritual realm. I mean, you're, you're chasing some kind of drug or high, but it's not practical. There's nothing to actually practically implement. There's nothing that's actually improving your life, so on and so forth. So that's something to look at. I'll give you an example. If you listen to Tovia Singer, Rabbi Tovia Singer on YouTube, his huge thing is you know debunking all the, the Christian beliefs that that Jew, that, you know that, that uh, Jesus is Messiah and all that stuff. He basically exposes all of these Christian groups that are disguising themselves as like Jewish groups to get Jewish people to start believing in in Jesus. Now, the people who fall for this, and how do they do it? Like they use certain terms out of the Old Testament and they'll put like, star of david and in, in, in their imagery and different types of symbols but if you really know the symbols and stuff you'll know that you know somebody like tobias singer would know in a second what who, what they're promoting and how they're promoting it because he's he's a scholar but the average person that's on the street buying in you know looking for some spirituality looking to find god looking to figure out life they fall into that trap they don't know they think they're actually you know, buying into Jewish ideology. So there's a huge percentage of these people that just have no clue what they're getting themselves into. And it's not their fault. They just simply don't know. It's the same thing here. It's the same concept. If you don't really know, you could fall into these pits and find yourself so many years and like, oh, I believed in that crap. Oh, okay. That dude's an extremist. Oh, shit. I didn't realize and this happens. This happens every day, and it happens to so many people. Don't get down on yourself that you fell for it, but the fact is you fell for it. We all do at some point, hopefully not too much, and we learn from it, but you fall for this stuff. The bottom line is these conversations are deep, and they go on forever. I don't want to... We've got to cut it somewhere. I'll, I'll just say it like this in everything. I did an episode a long time ago called Spirituality with Balance, I think. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but I think it was Spirituality with Balance. And I talk about these concepts. You have to be practical. There has to be a level of practicality to all of your spiritual and self-help pursuits. You can't dive into it head first, no brains, all fantasy. If you use your brains, you are rational to a certain degree. You have to be rational. You don't have to be a rationalist. You could believe in more mystical ways of approaching Judaism, but some rationale to keep you sane in this world and to help you not fall into these stupid pits, these stupid sails 
these scams, if you approach everything with a little bit of critical thinking and rash, rationale, you will probably avoid most of this stuff. There's absolutely no contradiction in understanding and acknowledging that there's toxic positivity out there, but then also for yourself living a good, happy, healthy spiritual life. There's zero contradiction. There's zero contradiction in living a good, happy spiritual life and, 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 and suffering sometimes and acknowledging that you're hurt and acknowledging that you're in pain. Absolutely not. Just the opposite. Good, healthy, moderate spiritual living teaches you how to ex be expressive when you're feeling a certain way and so on and so forth. So if you find yourself in these bubbles of positivity, in these highs of positivity where it blocks out everything else, but you're numb to the day-to-day -day interactions and feelings of yourself and those around you, then you should know that you fell into one of those traps. You could get out of it easily, it comes through education and just essentially undoing it and relearning things the right way. I hope that through all of these expressions, you've learned enough and it's enough on your radar now for you to kind of look out for this kind of stuff. And I do hope that you find proper guidance, proper education, um, real healthy, real balanced and good education out there. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, God bless.